Let me take you back to the summer of 2001. It was the summer of love. Uh, there was so much uh, excitement in the air, love all around. And the Cleveland Browns offered Baker Mayfield a five-year, $125 million deal with somewhere along the lines of 70 to $80 million guaranteed. Uh, Baker Mayfield was insulted. Uh, how dare you? Um, Josh Allen's getting this. Mahomes got this. Lamar's asking for this. How dare you? I'm insulted. I am insulted. Flash forward to December 5th, 2021. Less than two years later, Baker Mayfield is cut and he has no NFL future. Gentlemen, ladies, everyone, betting on yourself isn't always the best thing in the world to do. Sometimes self-awareness and having an understanding that these people don't understand how truly terrible I am at my job and taking them up on their offer is the best thing you can do for yourself. And uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, he, he is uh, was too cocky to see that, and now he's uh, all alone. There's no one here beside him, as Donkey would say. Yeah, yeah, how the mighty have fallen, right? And, uh, I mean, they were never truly mighty from the jump. But, you know, it is interesting, man. He he was, you know, arguably the, the Browns' best quarterback in several decades. Um, got them to their first playoff win, did it against the division rival Steelers. They were feeling great about themselves. He had that moxie that represented Cleveland and, uh, just that that passion and that you know devil may care attitude that they seem to need at that point in time, and yeah, I mean, how much can change in really a year uh, from the highest of highs yeah. to an injury, uh, frustration with the coaching staff, and then being shipped off to Carolina and requesting a trade after you know Steve Wilkes said that Sam Darnold's the quarterback moving forward. Yeah. Uh, after the bye this past week. And so they release him today. Crazy, crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, I think I just tweeted it out. Like it's amazing. The, the, the arc of his career in five short years, it seems like there's been so much that's gone on. And here we are now with him being released. And, you know, great point by you is like how much money has been left on the table. And maybe yeah. he didn't want it, you know, at the end of the day, maybe he's like, I don't think I would have wanted it to stay in Cleveland, you know, whatever he's making enough with his commercials and all of that, but he clearly wanted to have a career in the NFL and a long lasting one leaving behind a legacy. And that seems to now not be happening. Whereas it very well could have happened in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he, if he took that deal, I, it's just a, it's one of those weird things. I, I remember when it was being talked about, um, I remember we both, I, I was very adamant about Baker taking that deal and just saying that, you know what, you have to have self-awareness and, and with what all the money he was making, those progressive commercials, it's not like Baker Mayfield wasn't uh, locking up a huge bank for generational wealth for him, his family. Right. Um, and, and it makes the Baker Mayfield story and his arc. You're right. Even more interesting because you think about the, uh, you know, the guys who were drafted in the post Sam Bradford, Jamarcus Russell NFL, when the NFL did away with these, remember first overall picks were getting like a hundred million dollars. Um, 
And, and when the NFL basically put a salary cap on draft picks, and I think that was a smart thing to do. I think it was getting um, just too insane. It wasn't good for the players. And in the, the teams were that, getting completely crushed. Yeah, it was too much pressure. I mean, these guys were, I mean, it was, uh, it was bad. It was bad for the league, I think, overall. These guys still make, if you're a first-round quarterback or you're a first-round pick, you're making money guaranteed that if you save and you're smart and you don't just go out and buy immediately like five cars, three houses, you you should absolutely be set, you know, very well for life. And then especially if you're quarterback to where you can invest the money, you, you have other deals that come with it, right? But it is, a, you know, you look at you look at the guys in the post Bradford, Jamarcus Russell world of of guys and Baker's the one that you feel like had a contract in his hands that he had control of his own destiny, turned it down. You know, the Bears never offered Mitch Trubisky a contract. The Browns never offered Johnny Menzel a contract. Sam Darnold didn't get a contract. Josh Rosen never had that contract offered. You think of all these first round quarterbacks that didn't even get the offer. Baker had in his in his hands, you know, close to eighty million dollars guaranteed, five years as a starting quarterback. You know, you would have guaranteed Baker would have guaranteed himself this year as the starter, and if things would have you know uh, would have gone wrong, he would have probably guaranteed himself next year as the starter for Cleveland as well. He would have bought himself two more years as starting quarterback for Cleveland, uh, coming off of that injured season if he had signed that deal to where it wouldn't be till after next year where they would probably have to figure out if they would want to move on or what the deal would look like. And, um, and you're right. And he that, would still be in a better position than he's in right now at yeah. that point. If things didn't work out, regardless of the money, he'd be in a situation where I'm still going to be able to pick where I want to go. Most yes. likely. You and there's going to be a good situation. The, the longer team. you can put off your second chance, the longer your stay in the NFL is. Um, yep, yep. And, uh, and I think it's just a, uh, it's a, it's a really interesting look. I mean, it was summer of 2021. That is not that long ago that Baker Mayfield turned down a five-year offer to stay with Cleveland. You look at the path that Cleveland's gone on since then and Baker. I mean, Baker, Cleveland basically said, all right, we're just going to go in a completely different direction. And 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 Baker has gone completely downhill. The injury wasn't his fault, but uh, he did not have a good year last year. And he's been a disaster this year so far. One in five as a starter. One in four, I thought I saw somewhere. And he's not one looked in five like this that. year. Yep. He has not looked like he is capable of starting. Now, that being said, 49ers. That's <laughs> a very enticing situation, uh, given what transpired yesterday. So a lot of that to get through today here in our week 12 recap or week 13 recap, I should say, of the uh, NFL season. And a couple quick notes, obviously, to touch on uh, regarding the 49ers, regarding some other teams here with some major injuries. Uh, so we'll get to that real quick. And then really excited as we have an interview with a, uh, a good you know, friend of mine who is also a former classmate uh, in college and uh, who has joined the media space uh, as we have as well. He was a, a sports anchor and reporter for several years uh, Brett Edwards, so excited to talk with him, a, uh, a longtime diehard Bears fan. So we're going to talk Justin Fields. We're going to talk Bears Packers. And uh, I think, you know, Mark, this is your first time meeting Brett. I think you two will get along 
just fine with the Bears roots intact there. I'm, I'm curious to see what he has to say about all of this as the Bears have not only been a, you know, big market, you know, topic since they just are in a big market, but they have now been in the media spotlight over this past year with Justin Fields, with the new coaching regime. And, uh, and now the, the fact that, you know, Fields has turned into what looks to be a franchise quarterback for the future. That's obviously been a huge topic. So yeah, I can't wait to talk with him and pick his brain on some stuff and, um, and see, you know, get his kind of landscape for the bears that, you know, his season is effectively over. And, uh, I have some strong thoughts coming after that, uh, that Packers game as well, but ton of news across the NFL and really the playoff landscape, in my opinion, changed when Jimmy G's foot got broken. Yeah. So Jimmy G goes down, uh, with that, uh, foot injury done for the season and, uh, with it, you know, that's, that's two 49er quarterbacks that have had their, you know, foot ankle, uh, injuries wreck the season. This is not, you know, Jimmy G's first injury either, yeah. uh, in wow. his, you know, uh, career logged with injuries there, but 49ers obviously on pace to not run the table in the NFC, but have a great shot at getting to the NFC conference, uh, or NFC championship game, uh, with basically them and the Eagles as being kind of the face of the conference. Now things are a little bit murkier, obviously, with uh, no Jimmy G to kind of run Kyle Shanahan's system, but in steps Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick in the NFL draft out of Iowa State. Uh, had a really good career there with the Cyclones, but you know, coming to the NFL, obviously there weren't really any expectations. But with two injuries, now Mr. Irrelevant is turned into Mr. Top of the NFC West, get us to the playoffs type of deal and uh, and help carry us through this thing but you mentioned mark obviously the baker intrigue now uh at an interesting time baker probably requested the trade did with with the knowledge of you know this situation kind of being an important one an important opportunity for him uh he clearly wanted to get out of there regardless because he wasn't going to be the starter the rest of the way here but this provides an interesting opportunity i am skeptical though you know purdy played pretty well they get the win. Um, if you're Kyle Shanahan, like the guy's been in the room all year, like you probably trust someone that you've been able to mold this whole way, especially a guy who doesn't know anything else but your system. Um, there's probably some interesting aspects there. Now, the Baker thing is if he clears waivers, which he likely will, because if you pick him up, you're going to owe him like two and a half million. Uh, so they're likely to have him clear. Then he gets to choose his destination. You're the 49ers bringing him on to be the to even just be in the room, I think might be a, a you know an interesting you know thing there. But do you do you see him being the starter? Like do you do you see him coming there and being their guy moving forward? That seems like a tough uh, you know a tough task for anyone. But I don't know. The night here's here's what I'd be the conversations I'd be having if I'm John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan. The conversations I'd be having this morning are this: no one knows better for us what Purdy's ceiling is and the, the, the nightmare scenario for the Niners this year will be the, um, the, the, you know, the Mike white of last year, right. Or the Bailey Zappi where it's like, Oh my God, spark. Holy crap. This guy's pretty good. And then you get two weeks of film and everything starts getting overwhelmed. And all of a sudden you are literally throwing away 
a Super Bowl caliber offensive line, offensive weapons, defense, and um, that to to just say we don't have anyone and we're stuck with Purdy, right? Um, that being said, you also need to be really careful with the locker room, the juju in the locker room, the vibes. You know what I mean? You talk a lot about vibes with Zach Wilson. And Baker is someone who absolutely could really throw off the vibes in a room and rub people the wrong way. I have the conversation if I'm Lynch and Shanahan. My gut says I would take a flyer on him if it were me, purely because right now, uh, I don't even know who Purdy's backup is. I know I saw they saw they they saw I saw that they signed Josh Johnson who had been with them okay. last year, who's been with the most teams in NFL history. Um, and he, again, you need depth now at that position because you, you don't want to go and end up doing like what Bron the Broncos had to do in the COVID year with it, go to like a wide receiver. <laughs> you know, you Hinton, have, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to have to do that. I would have the real conversation. If they signed him, I think their goal would be signing him to say, bring him in and let's see how this works. If he can come in, uh, be motivated and feel like it's a fit. I, if I were the, if I were the, you know, the Niners, I'd be signing multiple quarterbacks. I would sign Baker with a couple other, just be like, we need to bring in some guys here now because we need the depth and we need to see what, you know, who could be a fit. Uh, I wouldn't assume that Baker would immediately get a start or anything like that, but would it shock you then if the Niners sign him within a week, they go on a two game losing streak with Purdy and he looks bad and Baker's got now a week or two in the system that if Baker gets a start, it wouldn't shock me. No. Um, uh, but I think the Niners, uh, if they don't do it, I don't blame them either. I don't blame them for saying this, this season's cursed. Uh, and we hate to, we hate to ride it out with Purdy, but that's how we're going to do it. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, look, the, the Christian McCaffrey trade is, is a, looking even more and more imperative now to yeah. get a guy that can actually run, like take over the offense. Uh, they didn't have a player like that before. Really. Each other. They do. They do. That's very true. They, they have some experience with each other. Look, I mean, if you're talking about who's the best person to bring into that quarterback room, talent-wise, it's absolutely Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's available right now, no question about it. So I think that's that's an interesting you know way to move. I think you ride it out with Brock Purdy until he gives you reason to be like, okay, we can't do it. Like, this is a disaster. Uh, maybe he struck lightning in a bottle for one game, but the, the rest is – uh, not looking great. So at, at that point, then you can turn to Baker. Maybe he has okay. two weeks now under his belt at that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe a little bit more comfortable or just, you know, get him healthy and he can make a playoff run for, potentially uh, if you need it to. So this it's an interesting time of the year for this to happen for the 49ers, uh, but also they're in a good spot. Uh, so there there's some room there at least for them to feel yeah. at least a little bit comfortable with their situation I as do, opposed to what it could be. I do think this is for just talking about Jimmy G here for a second. I think it's fascinating for him as well. I think his future in San Francisco is now officially done. I think this gives Shanahan and Lynch enough with the press to be like, guys, we, we can't with Jimmy G, you know, the Trey Lance injury was a freak injury and we, we, you know, we drafted him for a reason. We, you know, and Jimmy G was here, but again, he gets injured and then uh, maybe it's a freak thing, but there's something that just keeps happening with Jimmy to where he cannot stay healthy. He cannot be reliable. So it gives you the freedom to go back to Lance pretty easily. Um, but it also gives you the freedom. If you're the Niners, um, 
you know, maybe to, to take that flyer on a Tom Brady in the off season to feel a little bit easier about bringing in Brady saying, Hey, we need Lance to get healthy and we need Lance to, uh, we want him to learn under Brady for a year, you know what I mean? Or whatever it may be. Um, I think, uh, and also for, if you're, if you're Jimmy G, I think it really hurts your chances of, of starting, uh, you know, gaining a, a, a really solid starting job in the NFL. I think he will be starter somewhere next year. I don't think he'll be in San Francisco, but I think it, it hurts his chances of getting that. Hey, we're going to commit to you for two to three years type of thing, because this was the perfect scenario for him to go on a Super Bowl run, uh, play decently enough and either stay with the Niners or get a nice contract somewhere else. And this really killed that for him. I, Jimmy G's future in the NFL is secure. He will play in the NFL if he wants to. But as far as that, hey, you're in a really good spot, you know, a contender kind of going out in the limb and committing to you, I think this really does hurt Jimmy G's future in that one. Yeah, yeah that, those are all great points. And, uh, you know, we had a couple other notes, too, that I think we'll touch on as we get to the games in this Week 13 recap. But before we get there, uh, let's get to our interview with Brett Edwards. Really exciting stuff. Ready to talk some Bears. All right, welcome back. We are here with special guest Brett Edwards. Brett and I go way back to our time at Illinois State, and Brett uh, had his uh, run in the TV business as well as a sports anchor reporter for the NBC-ABC affiliate in Terre Haute, Indiana, and then also the ABC affiliate in Lexington, Kentucky. Did a stint in Indianapolis, and now he's back in Chicagoland. So our uh, our you know resident Bears fan, Mark Hespin, now has a – uh, another Bears fan friend here on the show, Brett. Welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be back in the, the old stopping grounds. And most importantly, I always love to talk uh, Chicago Bears. And, Mark, I share your misery with you. So Yeah, it's all about <laughs> spreading the misery. But, it, you know, I, I, I just want to, you know, start there, Brett. Obviously, for me, I, I don't know how you feel this morning on, on a Monday. It's obviously not a victory Monday. But I was talking with a couple of coworkers here at the at the radio station this morning. I, I don't remember the last time I felt this good after a Packers loss. And and I think it, you know, maybe or like that week one 2018, because you're like, oh, you see the potential in Cleo Mack at such a big first half. But it's all about Justin Fields. Like he brings so much warmth and joy. And he's bringing at least me warmth and joy. What are your thoughts on a Bears victory, you know, Bears loss Monday, but it doesn't sting as much? That's such a good uh, way to put it because in years past, whenever we'd played the Packers, and I, you know, I'm one of those fans that says we. Uh, I know some people might not like that, <laughs> I but uh, I put I put a lot of stock and in, in time into this. But in years past, I I would go into Packer weeks um, just grinding my teeth, getting ready to hate everything green and yellow. And to be quite honest, uh, yesterday I, watching the game, I never got angry like I used to. I never was upset. I knew that all along. Uh, the defense was in a great bend, but don't break all game. And I was very happy with the way they played. And I had a feeling, though, that Aaron Rodgers is going to uh, ultimately pull them out. And in years past, I would have said he ripped my heart out and stomped on it. But yesterday, I genuinely didn't really care that we lost. And I know I, it sounds terrible to feel that way. But I'm like you said, I'm excited with where we're at as a team. I feel like Justin Fields is showing on a weekly basis that he can be the guy. Uh, he just kind of needs the right uh, tools around him right now he doesn't have that and so yesterday the game ended we lost and to be honest I was like all right cool uh, usually it ruins it ruins my day whenever they lose let alone when the Packers come in and beat us in Chicago but 
I'm pretty happy with the way that things are going this year. You know, it's a tank season. We knew that going in when Poles took over, Ryan Poles, and got rid of Khalil Mack and other guys that uh, were a big part of the team for the last few years during that naggy pace era. I was glad to shed that fat and kind of just say, you know what? We need to restart. We have a lot of holes. So let's just suck this year, which is what they are doing, and set ourselves up for the future for the next five to ten years and rebuild. So I'm happy. I hate to, you know, keep losing games, but I feel like, you know, if this is going to help set them up for success for the next ten years, I will gladly take a year of losing where they expect to lose rather than the last four years where they expected every game to win with Matt Nagy because 2018 did set us up and made us feel so hope hopeful about the future and then to have the carpet just ripped underneath you the last three seasons. Uh, I'm kind of happy with the state of affairs right now um, up at Hallis Hall. Obviously want to be good as every year, but again, this is the best case scenario right now is seeing fields take the next step, but also know that you're going to have a good uh, draft position and ultimately help improve the team in many areas. This is something Mark and I have talked about on the show. I am curious what your thoughts are, Brett. Have you seen enough to be convinced that Fields is the guy? He is the franchise quarterback now, and, and this is like a feeling that you haven't had probably in your lifetime as a fan. Yes, I've seen enough. Um, it's kind of funny. Early on in the season, I, I'm one of those guys where no matter who the quarterback is, I will give them the benefit of the doubt to the Absolutely. utmost degree. <laughs> I did I did that way too much with Mitchell Trubisky. I uh, made a yeah. lot of excuses for him. I have his damn jersey, for goodness sake. So I had to see that, uh, hopefully make sure that investment the Bears put into him, and myself included, uh, panned out. Obviously, it didn't. Um, loved Jay Cutler, even though he had his shortcomings. But uh, having said all that, I feel like Justin Fields is the guy. And the reason I feel that way is from the beginning of the season, yes, there was a lot of frustrations. But, again, it goes back to there's no offensive line. The, the receiving core – is very lackluster. When Darnell Mooney's your number one, that's usually not going to bode well for your offensive production. So you see what's kind of happened, and it all kind of came to a head in that Thursday night game with the, the Washington Commanders. Um, that was the ugly of the ugly for Justin Fields. And whatever they did in that mini by the head where they had the 10 days off and they came out and beat the, the Patriots, I thought we were going to get shut out on that Monday night game oh, yeah. uh, against New England in Foxborough. It just set it up perfectly because they had just shut out the Lions the week before. So I was convinced that we were going to score a point. I made a lot of bets on that, and I was dead wrong, which is fine. Um, I'm glad we lose bets if that means the Bears score points. So I've seen him progress very, very rapidly in ways I've never seen a quarterback for the Bears um, kind of make those next steps. Obviously, he runs a lot, but that's it's easy to do when you're – you know, when you have two to three seconds to pass the dang ball to get it out of your hands. So he's got to rely on that. But I will say yesterday, there were my favorite play, and I, I texted my, my older brother and I, we always talk Bears every Sunday. I texted him as soon as that play happened. It was like a third and 10, third and 11, and Fields stepped up in front of the pocket, and he had 10 yards to run the ball. He had the first down if he would have wanted to run the ball. He got to the top of the pocket, stopped, and threw a strike to – I forget who it was, but it was like 20-plus yards. And that right there, I was like, oh, my gosh. He's actually relying on his arm, and he made some really good throws yesterday. Again, I don't want to, um, like, you know, say, oh, good job. You did such a good job because they made a good throw or two. He's an NFL quarterback. He should. But a lot of the throws yesterday were tight windows. He never would have even considered possibly making earlier in the year, or they would have he would have thrown them and possibly gotten picked off. But I've seen enough to know that he is the guy, and I'm confident that he will be the guy. 
It's just a matter of getting the right people around him to continue to make him uh, the franchise quarterback that I think he is. Yeah, Brett, no, I think you nailed something there. It's the development. That's what I've seen over the year as well, is that, you know, he's developed into a running quarterback. He really wasn't a runner last year. I mean, he scrambled a lot. He had that kind of fun play that went viral his rookie year against um, uh, San Francisco, but that was more like, oh, broke Mm -hmm. down and he made a play. They developed him into a running quarterback with that Lamar Jackson offense in that mini buy, and that then that explodes. And then you saw not only the play you talked about, but the play to Cole Komet where he's totally the pocket breaks down and he gets, you know, a movement in the pocket. And he's right as you think he's about to take off. He stops and and dumps a little ball off to Cole Komet and he gets a first down, uh, you know, on the left-hand sideline. That's the type of stuff that it's like, oh, it takes time. It takes being in those moments to develop. I agree with you. I think, I think Justin Fields, how I feel right now is, I absolutely am 110% committed to him getting full support starting um, and as much weapons and investment around him going in to 2023, 2024, because that's the type of thing like with, with Mitch or whoever it was, or maybe if you're a Jets fan right now, those are the conversations you struggle. You're like, well, do we go all in on this guy? Do we go, do we load up with all this other talent and spend, 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 or do we have to, you know, take our picks and our, our energy and our cap room and go find a new guy? We now, I feel 100% that you, you've, he's seen enough. He's grown enough to where now 100%. Now you got to support him properly to see what the ultimate ceiling can be like. I, I'll, I'll add this. I want to move off a little bit just from his play and just kind of the Bears in general. One of the things I've been struggling with, Brett, my, my little brother and I talk all the time. We talk every Sunday, you know, Bears football and texturing the game is that what what to do now with this high draft pick? You know, the Bears are number two now. It's going to probably be a top five pick and then all that cap space because I'm a person who already, I rem- I just, I, I, I'm so burned by the spending the money on Pernell McPhee and just how much of a disaster that <laughs> yes. is. I'm so burned by drafting Mike White high and then that gets a disaster. So, up. Uh, I look at the Bears, all you can go is off of what you know so far. This Bears organization, this current GM and coach, have had one draft. And I thought they nailed their defensive draft picks. They were they, yes. they really have done a great job. Brisker, Gordon, uh, finding some guys early on at work. Their offensive pick, Vellis Jones Jr., has just been a complete kind of disaster. Now they're trying to find ways to get him into the into the mix. I'm a person, this is just my thought, right now I feel the most comfortable saying the Bears should draft defense and spend the cap space on offense. Um, now, I don't know how you necessarily feel about that because I feel like this team knows how to draft defense and offensive line and then spend money on the offensive line and weapons. Do you agree with that or are you are you feeling different? And I'm also very comfortable trading the number two pick. If there's a stud there and you feel like you can get him, fine if it comes consensus you know once the draft grades start coming on out and all the projects but i'm very very happy trading back getting multiple first round picks if you can that's a lot I, but no you're good it, it's funny don't tell my employer this but i spent uh, about an hour this morning looking up uh draft uh standings <laughs> and everything that has to happen yeah. i know that unfortunately ironically enough not to bring it back to the quarterback situation but i was all on uh i was all in on the bears getting russell wilson uh, a year ago 
And I'm very happy that we did not do that and deplete our whole franchise yes. once again because Denver's an absolute mess. They're a dumpster fire. Now, what stinks, though, is they lost yesterday when they were winning against – or they got beat by a Lamar Jackson-less Ravens team late. That hurts us because I think our bye week ends. They are going to be – they're going to leapfrog us. So we're going to end up with likely the third or fourth pick. Overall, I think Denver will get the second. And the Rams, how funny is that? Uh, Stafford gets traded from Detroit, and then they're going to get a top pick from the Rams, Detroit will, uh, because of that Stafford pick. So it's kind of funny how things play out like that. I am all in on any scenario that improves the team because, unfortunately, we do have such a wide array of needs on both sides of the ball. I am an Alabama fan. My dad, my grandpa was born in Alabama. My dad, he was a huge Roll Tide fan. Will Anderson is an edge rusher that, me up in the morning because I've, I've watched him for a couple of years. I've seen him all over Twitter on weekends. He is an absolute game uh, demolisher. He's like an Aaron Donald type. And the Bears, you saw yesterday. They need they it. did not get a single – you're right. They didn't even touch Aaron Rodgers. He was clean, and his jersey had no marks on it whatsoever and because no they can't generate – exactly. They can't generate pass rush, and you need that in the NFL. The secondary, again, it was a bend-don't break. It's hard to – when your secondary is going through what they have gone through because there's nothing up front. So if they can get a Will Anderson or the Jalen Carter guy from Georgia, I'm all for that. If they decide to trade back, depending on what you get, um, I think you have to taper expectations, though, on just how many first-rounders you're going to acquire. I think some people are like, oh, we can get two or three. No, just look at what we did with uh, the Trubisky pick when we traded back one slot. We're traded with the the 49ers. I believe we just gave up an additional first-rounder. So it's not like we're going to get three or four – first rounders for years to come we're going to get maybe one more and it's got you got to hope that it's it works out so if they do have a position where they can trade back like the Colts are going to need a quarterback a lot of teams are going to need quarterbacks that we might be in front of I think you trade back but I also wouldn't mind taking a generational defensive player in Will Anderson or Jalen Carter because you know we know as Bears teams we've had great defenses you need great defense and right now with the offense, even what's funny is the way the offense is, they still can c- produce points. But it's funny, of all the years we've watched the Bears, we've seesawed, and now the defense can't stop a nosebleed. The Bears or the offense can score points. What if we just had a better defense that can limit teams to about 17 points a game? And we can trust our team with the weapons they have now to score more than that. That's how you win ball games. you score more than the other team, right? So if the defense can uh, improve a little bit, we make some some good, uh, you know, offseason additions in the offensive line. Maybe try and get a slot receiver or somebody because I know there's not really a premier receiver available in free agency. Then I think – I don't think it's ambitious to think that this team can be a playoff team or at least compete for the wild card spot uh, a year from now if they just make a – improve the defense a little more because you had to restart a little bit on defense with what they did the last couple of years. So I'm all for uh, grabbing the best available defensive guy – or trading back and then just taking a, a big – the biggest offensive lineman from the <laughs> the best available lineman in the country uh, with whatever pick they have uh, if they decide to trade back. Yeah, I agree with that, I mean, wholeheartedly. And I think um, I think the only thing that concerns me for the – you know, kind of the future when you look at from – I think the Bears could be a, a, a worst-to-first type of team next year. You see it every year. Yeah. A team in the division is worst, and then they go to first. Um the thing that we saw it in 2017 to 2018. Yeah. The thing that concerns me is there are no big time free agent wide receivers right now available. 
there you got to maybe hope that a a a team is is just in a desperate need and maybe you can pluck someone from a team for uh for picks and that's again why uh a trading back would would entice me because if you can trade use a pick to trade you know you look at what happened with brown on, on trade on you know on draft day last year and he's he's totally the eagles are a completely different team because of aj brown now right and and so the bears to me the footprint is there for them to follow the eagles are the footprint for the bears to follow the bears can if you can become the eagles you'll be the eagles biggest threat in the next couple of years in the nfc i firmly believe that it might sound just like a homer but i really believe that big you know incredible ability to stop the run defensively get at the pass rush it helps your young secondary um, and then, and then you got to find those elite weapons. I mean, Smith and Brown for, for, uh, Jalen hurts. They help him out a ton and, and Justin Fields needs two guys like that. Right. And that's exactly what you saw in Miami. How did they improve their offense yeah. in kind of in the, in the flash of a pan by obtaining first round picks and trading those first round picks. That's how they got Tyree kill. That's how they drafted Jalen Waddle. So it's not fair to assume that that could happen. And again, going back to 2018, we were in fourth place here before. We had the fourth, the fourth place cake schedule in 2018. We got to beat up on all the bad teams. So that's very likely going to happen next season. And that's fine. And that's okay. And yes, the way to improve the team is uh, I think the draft, you, you address your biggest needs. Unfortunately, wide receiver wise in the first round, that high, there's nobody again that's going to be uh, super sexy to take in the top seven pick from a receiver standpoint this year. If Marvin Harrison Jr. was a year older, then maybe. But you're going to have to, you know, improve with the linemen on the other, either side of the ball in the first round and then look to a trade of some sort to try and sneak somebody away uh, that's better than Chase Claypool. I think he could be a good two for us. And, Dan, you know them being a Pittsburgh fan. You you know what Chase Claypool is all about. I think he's a good second option or third option. But you're going to, you're going to need somebody that's more of a dominant receiver uh, that's going to be the go-to guy. And yes, I would love AJ Brown in a in a Bears uniform, and look at what he's doing for Jalen Hurts uh, this season. That's why I think Philadelphia is the team to beat in the NFC, not just because of the record, because I don't see anybody beating them uh, at all. <laughs> so yeah. it's not. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to have such grandiose visions for next season to think that the Bears can't be uh, in the playoff hunt because we've seen it happen time and time again. And again, the offense being as productive as they have been, it, it's it's very possible that, yeah, a couple quick tweaks and it's the Bears that are, <laughs> uh, you know, eight and five or nine and four at this point in the year instead of the opposite. I mean, it's, it's amazing how the transformation of the NFL has, you know, been progressively leaning not just towards offense over the last, you know, 15 years or so, but the importance right. of the number one wide receiver has become – almost almost that you like can't win without having a true number one unless you have right. a insane alien like Patrick Mahomes or something at quarterback that can delegate but even he has the greatest tight end potentially you know of all time yeah. uh, on his <laughs> squad so yeah I mean that that's going to be probably the biggest key uh to the to the Bears success is being able to get that number one go-to guy I think Chase you know I, I think one a change of scenery is always good for a lot of players that maybe haven't reached their potential um, and he's still super young. I mean, he's got time. It's not like right. he's already, you know, reached his ceiling. So I, I think he can be an elite, you know, number two. I, I'm, you know, the jury's out on whether he can be a one, but I think that's still a great, you know, working piece there with him and Mooney. 
you can have something really special if you get a guy that is the true number one. In terms of exactly. the, the draft that you guys were talking about, like I, I agree that I think they need to go defense unless, and, and the one caveat for me up until a couple weeks ago was the tackle from Northwestern, Peter Skaronsky, oh, who yes. was like the clear number one guy, but he, I think, announced that he's coming back to school next year. So he's yes. out of the mix, and you don't really have, as far as I know, this early on, a true, you know, number one Panay Sewell type of tackle or Rayshon Slater type of guy. So if that's not the case, I agree to go defensively because honestly, for the, for the Steelers, we're in somewhat of a similar situation. We're much more set up offensively with the with the skill positions, but the offensive line is atrocious, and the Steelers might very well have a top five, six, seven pick. Uh, and, and offensive line is where I want, would want that to be addressed. Yeah. But a lot of times you just got to go with who, who can wreck games. You can't ever have too right. many game wreckers on a squad. Yeah, the so if a Will no, Anderson's there, you got to take the guy. Yeah, you, know? you, have no, you have no game. And I'll say this to your point, too. I, well, to me, I, I don't know how you feel the same way, Brett, but I actually think that the two young tackles for the Bears, I think there's a future there for them. Obviously, if you can get a, a, you know, a, an all, a, you know, an all-pro talent, you go for it. But – to me, it's guard center guard that needs a ton of work. And if you bring back white hair next year and he's healthy, that's great. But then you still have a garden center, a, a, a horrific problem at guard center. And if you could severely upgrade a tackle spot, that would be, that would be great. But because you always know you need depth on the offensive line and there's going to be injuries. I'm not as concerned about like an offensive line and uh, offensive lineman in the top 10, unless it was like an all world type of guard that you could get, you know, a Nelson or someone like that, a Zach Martin uh, that you would take in a guard center guard spot. I, I want to uh, move on a little bit, Brett. Well, hold, on, hold on real quick. I just want to ask Brett like for a five second question. Uh, do you miss James Daniels? Yes. <laughs> yes. I miss James Daniels. And to your point, Mark, I, I love I think, him. Uh, yeah. He's, he's great. Um, center. I think, be taken care of by Lucas Patrick, but unfortunately, the injury bug got him. Yeah. I was really excited when he took over for Mustafer for about, you know, a, a, a cup of coffee, and then he left the game. So, uh, but yes, there is no Nelson in the first ten picks. That's why I don't wouldn't be surprised knowing pulls he had. He traded back like two or three times, I think, last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they traded back the first the third round pick if that's what they get, and then they move up to like say the ninth, and they trade that back to add another. I. The sky's the limit for what they could do because you you would I would love a Will Anderson, but I also wouldn't. I, again, they're in a good position where either take you take a guy like Will Anderson or you keep trading picks and just accumulate some things. So it's there's there's a lot of possibilities. That's a good thing with the this year and just continue to tank because that second or third round or overall pick looks a lot better than the ninth or tenth. So it does. It does. Um, I am um, opening up a little bit. Um, I, you know, you mentioned the Eagles in the NFC, you know, I completely agree with you. We do our, I do my Super Bowl playing every week. And, um, you know, what I always say is in order to win the Super Bowl, that, then you're in first class. The Eagles have been, uh, the only NFC in first class for like the last six, seven weeks, something like that. Um, I, the, to me with the Jimmy G injury now that killed the Niners mm -hmm. chances. Yeah. But I, but I want to bring up one team, one name. Well, I think there's three teams we can talk about and their chances in the NFC. All right, let's go mm -hmm. Cowboys, Vikings, Buccaneers. Those to me are the three other teams that just are you, we can even have a discussion about do you, what are your thoughts on any of those three teams 
representing the NFC over the Eagles in the Super Bowl? I don't know what's going on in Tampa. Like Tom Brady, uh, they obviously, can't score I feel offensively. Like, right? mess, I feel like he he shouldn't have came back, but that's neither here nor there. I don't. I wouldn't be so worried about Tampa, even though yes, they're still led by Tom Brady uh, as much as I would be with Dallas. That's where it's Dallas. Look what we just did last night. I mean, they had what seven touchdowns as a team. Um, they're putting up points in bunches. Their defense has really improved. So. Even though I know a lot of people hate the Cowboys because they're America's team, I would love to see an Eagle Eagles Cowboys NFC conference showdown. That would be that would be great because I do think they're the best two teams right now. Again, Jimmy G, to your point, getting getting a broken foot really hurts the San Francisco 49ers. That defense is out of this world, and then all the all the weapons they have. But I think it's Minnesota. I they have a lot of good weapons, but they also have Kirk Cousins, and history has shown us that Kirk Cousins, uh, when it comes to those big moments, sometimes falls short. Now, who's who's to say that won't he'll you know be able to uh, punch him through? I, they're they're a dark horse, yes, but I really think it's a, a two headed race between the uh, two of the NFC East teams and Philadelphia and Dallas. And I I'm here for a, an you know a Dak versus uh, Jalen Hurts showdown to see who's going to the Super Bowl. Before we let you go here, Brett, I wanted to ask you real quick, obviously, because we talk a lot of Bears, we talk a lot of Steelers on the show, and then branch out to the whole NFL as well every week. But, you know, me being a Steelers fan, I'm curious what you think. So, you know, they get Kenny Pickett. He's the only first-round quarterback this past year in a relatively weak quarterback class. And, yeah, and – I've been relatively impressed overall, just, and, and you guys kind of touched on this earlier about the progress of Justin Fields, and that's really all you can ask for is seeing consistent progress in certain areas. Uh, I think I've seen that with Kenny Pickett. Now, I know you probably haven't watched every game, like every snap of every game, but uh, I'm sure you caught them a couple times. Uh, you know, they were on that Monday night game last week. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious what, what you think about Kenny Pickett, what you've seen from him in relation to maybe even what we've seen from some rookie quarterbacks in recent years, Mac Jones, the Zach Wilsons, things like that, who maybe we haven't, we've seen a higher, higher ceiling from the jump, but haven't seen them really moving the needle at all in terms of progressing. I feel like Kenny has had improvements despite them not, you know, translating to a ton of on-field success. You know, what's funny is when we look at the quarterback position the last several years, if you look at these quarterbacks that are now established, like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and, you know, even Jalen Hurts, for that matter, it's they're not coming in here and dominating offenses like Peyton Manning or other these other guys. And I know, again, I know Peyton's a top, top-tier quarterback, but these rookies do take a little longer to transition the NFL. It's going to take a year or two to finally see them uh, produce on a regular basis. And then that year three – you know, their junior season, that's when they take that huge leap. And I feel like Kenny Pickett's in that same boat as Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, in that he's on his way. He's learning. He's improving. He's only You only have a small sample size, but he has all the pieces in place to be uh, a successful quarterback for years to come. So you guys won't miss big Ben Roethlisberger um, because that's, a you know, obviously a huge loss for Pittsburgh to have to go into, a, you know, the next uh, decade with without you know that quarterback but I do feel like he is a good answer for you all um was really glad that he actually is playing and doing somewhat well because I was really scared that Mitch Trubisky was going to go there and have great success so <laughs> I hate to root for yeah. his demise but I'm also happy that um he leapfrogged uh, Trubisky in that regard because I would have really just hated life if he was 
an worldly amazing quarterback, but he comes uh, an all pro. pro. Yeah. Yeah. But with, with Pickens on the outside, he's a stud receiver and you're going to have a lot of fun watching those two for years to come. So I do think we'll see Kenny Pickett be uh, quite a problem in that division and that conference, you know, just got to give him some time. You just got to be patient. And sometimes as sports fans, we forget that, right? Patience is, is key in all facets of life, but especially for sports uh, being from the Chicago area, we, we have too much misery that we know of. So it's hard to be patient when this is, uh, you know, what, what we put our love and support. Well, yeah, and when it's, when it's going on three decades, uh, you're like, all right, uh, patience is running thin. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But yes, I, I do think Pickett, Pickett, again, I haven't seen a lot because uh, to be honest, I haven't consumed the NFL sports as much as I used to because I can actually watch the bears. When I was living away from Chicago, I had to be, uh, resourceful in how I watched football. So I would have to go to bars and I'd watch the Sunday ticket. So I'd watch the bears. I'd be able to watch every game or I would actually have the Sunday ticket. So admittedly, I'm, I'm only relegated to bears football and the one-off primetime games. So I can't speak too much as much like I used to. I kind of feel, um, I feel uh, less knowledgeable than I used to in years past, but I have seen enough to know that he's on his way much like the other guys. Um, and I feel like you will be happy with him for you know for the long haul how about your boy mike tomlin though uh, i just saw this viral video where a fan <laughs> yeah says from barstool hi to him and, right. yeah and he's like hey i'm working so that, that's the kind of guy you got leading your football team so no matter who's that quarterback i know tomlin can get the right answers out of him to make the most of a uh, whatever player because he's a hell of a coach Tomlin is a man that is all business means business i actually got to meet him this past summer at the clemson pro day and uh my my uh co-worker just was like kept nudging me like just go introduce yourself I was like hell no dude this guy's terrifying and uh I eventually did just go up and say you know hey you know introduce myself which like there's no reason he would ever like he needs to know me or know who I am for any reason at all it was purely self-serving and it was evident from the jump but like he just he come he's so commanding of a presence like it's he's a he's a terrifying guy but like an awesome one to root for like I'm glad he's my coach uh, right, not my coach, you know, but I'm, I'm, he I'm will only. Thing, yes, he's your coach, Dan. You, you he is, he is my coach. Don't worry. He will only get more terrifying with age, too. Just like right. wait till he's like seven year old Mike. Oh Tom. yeah, well, he's the get off my lawn type of. Oh, yeah, God. absolutely. No That's terrifying no stuff. <laughs> Brett, uh, we've taken up a lot of your time. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming Thank on. We'll have Brett. to get you back here again sometime soon. Absolutely, I'm always happy to talk Bears. Uh, Bears again, win or lose. Yes, post draft. Yes. I I hope to be very ecstatic. So, uh, you know, it, I love I love Bear down so much, but I also love the Bears being down this year. To be punny, it's it's <laughs> just what we need. Uh, this is a year to just rebuild, reset, and figure out that if number one's the guy, and I feel like they have some answers that he is, and they kind of know what they need uh, going forward to be successful. And I do think. Uh, another thing too, a lot of people were complaining about Getsy's play calling. I agree. He was very conservative at times yesterday. We also got to give him the, you know, uh, some slack too. It's his first year calling plays. And again, there's not a lot of pieces in place to, uh, you know, to, to kind of have a, a Kansas City chief offense. I do think though, that going back to Claypool real quick, I don't want to see any more screens to chase Claypool behind yeah, my scrimmage. Yeah, I do not want to see it. We saw it three times yesterday. It's I hated working. the bubble screen. Mark Tressman used to run that play all the damn time to Alshon Jeffrey. Why are you doing that to Alshon Jeffrey? That is a go up and get it receiver. And so is Chase Claypool. So no more screens to a guy whose four his 40 is no faster than 4.3. So yeah. that's 
Let's stop with that. That was but, forced uh, involvement. Forced involvement. And I'm anti-forced involvement. First time, okay. But the second and third time, so now you're pissing me off. So let's not do that anymore. <laughs> we, can't, we can't have Brett Edwards pissed off here, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. No. Like, let's go. Matt, I mean, if it was company. If you, you have a gadget player, and I know you said Bayless Jones, uh, Mark, is kind of a disaster, and I agree. But that's the kind of guy you put behind the line of scrimmage and let him just yeah. get in space and make people miss. Yeah, that's Chase the Claypool is not player. a speedster. Right. So, yeah. I, again, I can go on and on, but I, I appreciate that. Appreciate the time. Let me talk Bears. Uh, again, let's pray for a top three draft pick, and it's either Will Anderson or trade back, and I'd be happy either way. We are both rooting for the same thing because uh, the Steelers have your second round pick. So that's... the higher that pick is, the You're happier welcome. I am as well. That's funny. Yeah. You're welcome. Good stuff. All right. All right. Thanks, Brett, so much. Brett Edwards, everyone. I uh, hope to have him on again sometime soon. Thank you again, Brett. Thanks, guys. You know, Dan, I wanted to just say as we uh, say goodbye to Brett there, that was um, one point he made, you know, when you guys were talking Kenny Pickett at the end, and this is something that uh, we can talk more about when we touch on the Steelers really quickly. I think, you know, it's so fascinating for, for Steelers fans. You start to see the flashes now. Kenny Pickett had probably his best game as a pro in that win against the Falcons. Now you say to yourself, he has between now and the end of next year to convince Steelers nation what the Bears have been convinced by Justin Fields, right? That we are like, oh, absolutely. this guy could be either the first or second best quarterback in our division. And if you feel that way, then you're like, we can move forward. Because it's as simple as that. If you're a team out there and you look at your quarterback position, is your quarterback the first or second best quarterback in your division nine times out of 10, if your quarterback is first or second, you are a playoff team. You are a, a team with Super Bowl aspirations and you can, you are either winning your division or you're battling for your division. Very rarely do you have the best quarterback in your division and you're not in first place. The Packers are an example of that this year. Uh, but for other reasons, they are, they're quite a disaster this year. Um, you know, and that's going to be hard for Pickett because it's Burrow and, and Lamar Jackson ahead of him, but they got to give him the leash, the runway, and the, he has the weapons uh, to prove that in a year from now, when you're closing the end of his sophomore year, like, wow, okay, if we add a couple more pieces, this kid could be right there battling with Burrow and Lamar in, in shootout games and win, and we trust him. Yeah, and I mean, we'll we'll talk about the the Browns too. What we saw from Deshaun, and he, I don't know if we've if it's been discussed the possibility that Deshaun just never returns to what he was. I and, I kind of mentioned it last week. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. That's fair. You did touch on that. It is, you know, I'm just talking more like the global conversation has has been so dominated, rightfully so, about his infractions and like the awful allegations. And then the side item has been, you know, well, you know, the Browns are going to get their guy in week 11 and things are going to turn around. Are, like, I, we, we may not be so sure that that's the case. And so, I mean, to your point, there is a possibility Kenny Pickett could leapfrog someone like Deshaun by the end of year two. And then we don't know, you know, if it does Lamar pile on injuries, at which point then Kenny could – you know, find a way to move into that number two spot without being a Josh Allen level, yeah. Joe Burrow level type of talent. I mean, because if you put Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence in a division 
well, okay, Trevor Lawrence is the fourth best quarterback in his division, but he's still some guy that you're not going to move off yeah. of. So you can, as long as they're on the level, if they're on, if they're in that arena, I think that's fine. And so yeah. if Kenny Pickett can be in the arena of those quarterbacks, which I think Justin Fields is already better than Kirk Cousins, I would say in terms of who who would, who would you want playing quarterback for your team today, I would take him over Kirk Cousins and I would take him over Jared Goff uh, just based on the multitude of skill sets. So it's really him and Aaron Rodgers competing and Aaron might not be in the division next year. Next year, Justin Fields could be the best quarterback in the NFC North, which yeah. is majorly dangerous. That's something well, that they couldn't have said with Mitch. We talked the AFC North, similar to the AFC West, uh, you know, four months ago before the season started, we thought all four of these guys are playoff caliber quarterbacks, right? You know, right, Wilson right. has had a disaster of a year and now we, we maybe think differently. It's not I, I, the, the rule of thumb is just, if you're one of the two best in your division, then you feel good. Like you're like, Oh, we got to ride with this guy. We got to support this guy. We got to build around this guy. We can win our division. Cause it's all in the end. As we get close to the playoffs here, a lot of what we're going to talk about in the next you know 30 minutes, we go through the games is, are you winning your division? Cause winning your division solves everything. You get a home playoff game. It puts you in the, co can, you know, competition usually then for even a buy and uh, it makes your road to a Super Bowl title a lot easier if you win your division. So that is so, so crucial because even if you win your division and you win your first playoff game, if a wild card team upsets the number one seed or the two seed, you might host a second playoff game. Like it, winning your division exactly. is just so important. So do you have a guy who's who you think automatically is easy, can capable of doing that? And then I would add with, one final kind of thought on that also being if you don't have a guy who you feel confident is without a doubt one, one or, or two in your division, then you have to surround them with a buttload of talent. You've got to build a team like the Vikings did for Kirk cousins offensively. And like the Eagles did for Jalen hurts going into this year, we're not going to let him even if we're, we're a little uncertain of what his ceiling may be, we're going to surround him with what, what did the dolphins do to another great example, what the Niners did with Jimmy G. I mean, it is, you got to just boom, load all up and say, well, now we have a guy that is very capable. Maybe Kenny Pickett is, is the next Kirk cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo Tua, where it's like, no, this guy can win you a bunch of games, but in order to be a super bowl team, you got to just surround them with a buttload of talent. Well, luckily the Steelers as a franchise feel like a franchise that knows how to do that and do it well uh, without mortgaging their future like the Rams did. So it's a, it's an interesting spot, but that's where you got to feel if you're, if you're looking at Kenny Pickett right now and he's the, he's the unique cake because he's the only rookie you have until the end of next year to give me those feelings. I'm going to give you all this time, but by the end of next year, I'm going to start being a lot harsher. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, that's the the leash gets a little bit shorter. The excuses yeah. get a little bit uh, less broad. And just uh, just throwing picks late in the game to win games when the Bears have a winning record at the end of next season, I'm going to be much harsher on him. You know what I mean? Like that's the way it plays. You by year three, and if you have things around you, come on, we got to go. We can't make these mistakes. I can't just baby you forever. But you got that leash now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so we'll we'll kind of rifle through these games. A lot of the games that are have less, uh, you know, 
uh, meaning towards the the NFL season as we get here uh, down the the final stretch. We'll spend uh, just a short amount of time on and get to some of the more uh, you know Im- impressive games and weighty games, if you will, um, a- as we get down this. We we mentioned last week uh, the slate of games this week was the best all season, and yeah. so we've got some really good ones. We'll touch on the Steelers Falcons real quick. I mean, the Steelers eke out a three point victory. I mean, I, they dominated the whole first half. Time of possession was amazing. Falcons then came back second half, really dominated the run game, which is like the only thing that they can do. Uh, I was encouraged by seeing Najee Harris running really, really hard and looking much more healthy. Uh, Looked like the Najee Harris of last year, which is great to see. I think he's going to be an angry runs candidate yet again uh, this week. Um, But yeah, just to speak to Pickett, I mean, it's all about Pickett this year. Everything's about Pickett. Um, Really quickly, though, you know, Craig Ironhead Hayward, who passed away years and years ago, was an Atlanta Falcons running back, the father of Cam Hayward and Steelers rookie Cam's brother, Connor Hayward. Connor Hayward gets his first career touchdown in this game. Cam gets a sack. He wore his dad's jersey in the postgame press conference. That was a really cool side story uh, to this whole thing. But Kenny Pickett, the thing with him here, he's, he's making the right reads. He's seeing the field right. He's, he's missing some throws. And yeah. I'm more encouraged by that because it's not an issue of not seeing the field. He's seeing the field. He's just getting a little too antsy, overthrowing some guys a little bit, missed prior move on a clear touchdown. So, yeah, I, those are things that you feel much more confident can be ironed out and corrected with more reps and more time. That's what gives me encouragement. The, the jury's obviously still out, but I'm seeing his best games come week after week after week. Yeah. And that's really all you can ask for out of a rookie quarterback. Agreed. I, I don't have much to add except, you know, glad the Falcons are kind of figuring out like, all right, we shouldn't be winning right now. We need, we need a reset. And also um, I'll just add one last point. It's good to also see your rookie quarterback or your young quarterback, you know, in my case for the bears, I want to see Justin Fields complete one of these game winning drives. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of want to see it and Kenny Pickett winning a game and, you know, on the road, like that's a that that's a, a a great thing to see. Again, it's building that experience. So then, by year three, I can be like, "You've seen it before. What the hell are yeah, you doing?" Yeah. You know what I mean? I can tear you apart. And it can't be discounted. You know, back to back road wins on a short week coming off of Monday Night Football. That's yeah. tough for any team, let alone a team with a rookie quarterback. So yeah, that, that that's a good point there. Um, we'll we'll go back to the Thursday night game real quick. The Bills beat the Patriots. They just absolutely destroyed them, even though it was a lower scoring game um, from, yeah. from both teams, but it's 24 to 10. I mean, the bills dominated this game, essentially. I mean, I, I don't know what more you can say other than uh, Josh Allen, you know, still looked great in this game. I don't know what the Patriots situation is. I mean, Bill Belichick has, has leaned into Matt Patricia saying, although it wasn't a super uh, great bill of confidence when he said, well, it's too late in the season to make a change that big. Yeah. That was his, that was his vote of confidence in Matt Patricia's the OC, but nonetheless, um, you know, Bills improved to nine and three. They are putting the pressure now because the Dolphins lost. It's like, all right, like Dolphins were like trying to come for the division. The Bills are like, no, nope, wait, hold on, we uh, we we're still here, and uh, and and we're we're in the driver's seat with this one. So you, you'll take the division win any way you can get it. Absolutely. The Bills now, once again, control their own destiny. They got the Chiefs to lose. They got the Dolphins to lose. They got to win. A uh, good, good feeling right now if you're a Bills fan. And if you're a Patriots fan, you look at this game and 
this is the epitome of like, what are we doing? Like this off season is really important for the Patriots. Um, do they make a move at quarterback and, and, or if they need to be in the market, you never talk so much about, you always talk so much about head coaching. You never talk about like offensive coordinators, but like, what do the Patriots do? Do they, do they get aggressive? Do they bring back a Bill O'Brien? What, like, where do they go? They are stuck in the middle right now. And it's an interesting thing for Patriots fans and us as NFL fans. We don't really know how to feel about the Patriots. Um, and uh, they, they got a, a defense that's got some teeth, but you know, is missing a piece or two. And then an offense that just does not look like it has an identity and is confident in what they're doing. And a young quarterback who um, I feel like can do everything that we were just talking about with Kenny Pickett, like he can do it all, but he needs real creative play calling. He needs creative support. He's not Justin Fields who can just make some magic and then things, things work out for him. So um, uh, uh, the, the weird feeling for, for a uh, Patriots nation. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Uh, the lions crushed the Jaguars uh, Love 40 it. to 14 Trevor Lawrence. The dude is otherworldly because that first half hit, where his leg completely gets rolled up underneath and bends the back the opposite way. All of the uh, Twitter literal doctors, I'm not saying that figuratively, all of the Twitter doctors were like, yeah. this looks really bad. This is like an ACL or maybe at best like a meniscus tear. I he thought comes it was back. Like I thought it was like an Alex Smith type, like, oh, he's Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looked it looked awful. Insane. He, he, he was writhing in pain. He comes back and plays the second half. He plays the second half. Unbelievable stuff from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, not to take away from the Lions, you know, beating them by nearly 30 points. But my goodness, I mean, the guy is not only a warrior, he's tough as nails. Yeah. Um, but we've seen him progress this year. Uh, we've talked about all season long. I, we don't need to, like, you know, bang the drum too much. But he is clearly, to me, the whole package. And this th this type of thing shows his team. That, like, they were four and seven. There's no reason for him to like just completely go out there and put his you know that's life it. livelihood on the line for that type of game, but he did, and I think that says a lot to the locker room, really. Yeah, I, I mean, again, this is this was I, I I so predicted this. There were so many people. The Jaguars were favored in this game. I mean, it was stupid. They 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 are the Jaguars still, and they're building. They're they are building. Just like the Lions are building, but right now the Lions have won three of four. They have a little bit more momentum, a little bit more of an identity. They're playing well at home, the Lions. And right now, Jared Goff, you could argue, is playing the second best football of any quarterback in the NFC North. I mean, uh, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff are having much better statistical seasons and, and leading their teams right now than... Justin Fields and Aaron Rodgers. Um, Jared Goff playing really good football. Him and St. Brown have developed quite a damn connection. Everyone talks about uh, Justin Jefferson and, and Cousins, re deservedly so. But they are going to be uh, fighting and, and scrapping down the down the stretch here. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but all of a sudden, right now, if you're a, if you're a team who's looking to like needing a win and the lines are on your schedule, that has become a nightmare of a game for you. It has. That's very true. I mean, they are they are that scrappy team, and uh, to be able to put up forty points on anyone shows that they've had that 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 maybe their offensive uh, burst that they had early in the season starting to come back, and they're getting a little bit more comfortable. I mean, five and seven, a lot can happen. Uh, Vikings. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, 
get a five point win. I mean, they hang on against Mike White and the Jets. Two four uh, downs. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, those were, you know, the huge, uh, huge moments. And then an interception late basically just seals the win for them. But they kept they kept giving the Jets more life there and, and letting Mike White get another chance and another chance. Uh, but 27-22 win for Minnesota, which was really big uh, because, you know, we talk about you not only want to separate. I mean, they've essentially locked up the NFC North. I don't think anyone's yeah. worried about them winning that division. But they want they want to put themselves in a position to get those higher seeds in the NFC because you know you want to put yourself in the best position to not have to play the Eagles until when until you absolutely have to have to. Um, so yeah, Minnesota ten and two now, looking really good. Um, you know, going into the, this final stretch here, uh, but the defense is playing a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think all all together, you know, the Vikings will will take this win, even though it's a home win that they barely, you know, got against a, a struggling Jets team. But Jets are seven and five still. And Mike White looked, uh, you know, a little more like Mike White, but still looking like a guy that can maybe eke out a few victories for them down the stretch. here. The Jets have, with Mike White are a competitive, tough, kind of fun team. When they had Zach Wilson the last like five weeks, they were like a, uh, a really good defense flailing. and kind of flailing and dreadful. So, I'm not counting out the Jets. You know, I think the Jets very well could still be in a in a in a playoff position, and not exactly be a, a pushover. They're not. I don't think they're a they're a pushover team. I mean they they went toe to toe and had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter against Minnesota on the road. Like that says something about the Jets, but I also think it says a lot about Minnesota. Again, it's why none of us feel confident going all in on the Vikings. Their two losses on the year are to the Cowboys and the Eagles. So, you know, they, they – now, the Cowboys don't look like they're going to get a home playoff game, but the Cowboys don't feel too scared going to Minnesota to play the Vikings. They did it a couple weeks ago. We saw what happened. But you're absolutely right. The Vikings right now have got to stack wins together. They've got to put themselves in a position to hope somehow the Eagles get upset and they have a home field throughout because that is a real home field advantage. That crowd is, is, is up right now. They're feeling it this year as well as they should because offensively – this team is, uh, it, it can be a juggernaut at times. Jefferson is so, so good. And, um, and, uh, and, and so I, I hate to say it, but I'm really liking the coach O'Connell for, for the Vikings. He's winning me over more and more press conferences. He was on part of my take last week. I thought he had a great interview. See, it, it boils my blood a little bit. Cause I just, I hate the Vikings. Um, but I'm, I, I don't trust them yet because the way they're winning some of these games. I mean, this was a Jets team yeah, with Mike White on the road, and and they they had two fourth down chances to win the game, and the Vikings let them in that spot both times. So I don't think the Vikings are, are uh, should scare anyone in the NFC, but the Vikings, if they, if they are in the Super Bowl at this point in time, we have to say uh, it wouldn't be shocking because of – because of of the offensive firepower, and they they're in a position winning regular season games to host playoff games. Yeah, that's I mean, you're Minnesota. The the fewer games you have to win in the playoffs, I mean, obviously for anyone, but for Minnesota especially, who hasn't had a track record less of winning Kirk several Kirk. games. Yeah, yeah, the less prime time Kirk Cousins, the better for sure. Well, let's get to a game that just had me sweating the entire time: the Commanders and Giants. Oh this my game. God. Like, talk about a bloodbath of just constantly back and forth. Like, who's going to pull this one out? It looked like in the fourth, at the end of the fourth quarter, the Giants were going to be just win this game. They had it in, the, in hand. And then Taylor Heineke, 
you know, leads them down the field and uh, and gets a touchdown to send this into overtime. No one scores an OT. Giants' uh, last-ditch effort at a field goal comes up short. So this one ends in a tie, which could have major ramifications here for the divisional standings, let alone just the NFC standings in general. Both teams now with a bo- or with a tie, and uh, they've got the Eagles at 11-1, and and then they've got the Cowboys there as well, just coming off of a win at nine and three. So now you know this tie could could really come into in, into play here. You know, we said it, we've said it for weeks now. Like the Giants and the and the Commanders are going to battle each other two games down the stretch, and one of those teams is going to win it, and that's the team to make the playoffs. But they've decided, I guess, a, a handshake agreement. Let's that tie no team these is going to win it. Yeah, let's tie these games. Yeah. It just goes to show you these teams are very that they're they're pretty evenly matched and they both have some really big fatal fatal flaws. But again, I, I just felt like Heineke played better down the stretch, certainly than Daniel Jones did. I thought there was moments the Giants offense got kind of out of sorts. Um we'll see what happens here now going down. I mean, I the tie is not de- it's not detrimental. We know that the thing about ties is they can help you when it comes down to oh, it sure, when you're sure. making playoff pushes because it is not a loss. It is not a loss. Now, both these teams have got to get back up in the win column, but it will help them certainly if it, it when it comes down to it. They got to play again. I still feel better about the Commanders right now than I do the Giants. I just I'll just say it. I would but feel better about the Commanders too because I think they're more complete. Absolutely, yeah, Giants throwback uniforms are sick. They, those are awesome, and I wish that those were their their actual yes. jerseys that they just wear Damn, every week. Because yeah, so yeah. sick, so good, so good there. Um, yeah. So let's let's get to the um, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tennessee Titans. Philly getting a thirty-five to ten win over Tennessee. Jalen Hurts putting oh, on a show, looking more and oh. more comfortable week in and week out, and. Uh, AJ Brown doing AJ Brown things in this one. Not there's no magic to it, as Mike Tomlin would say, or nothing mystical about the win. It was just Philly is that good, and Tennessee is no slouch, and they made them look like yeah, they, these guys don't belong. I mean, a 25 point win destroyed them at the trenches and through the air. This is going to be a tough task for just any team. I mean, the fact that they even have a loss is kind of crazy. Uh, 11 and one Philly on a roll yet again. This is the game that answered the most questions for us of any of the games of the weekend. The question going to it with Philly was of course, you know, Philly, you know, has had some scrape buys, some blowouts, um, but against a team that is just as physical as Philly, that wants to play almost a similar kind of style, big plays and a, and a physical dominate you at the line of scrimmage type of game. They were more dominant than the dominant physical line of scrimmage team. And they held uh, Henry in check. Their defensive uh, line is back to where it was playing, you know, before that loss to the commanders. And um, and, and you feel great if you're Philly right now, especially to, can we just say Jalen hurts? He's playing incredible quarterback play, not just running the football. He's throwing the ball. He sees the field. He's making accurate throws. He's making deep throws. He's managing the game at times. I mean, Jalen Hurts um, is really been impressive. And, and again, it gives me hope for like that is, like I said earlier, that's the blueprint the Bears just need to follow. Look at Lamar Jackson. Look at the Eagles. 
find the best of all that and in, infuse it with passion into your franchise around your young quarterback. Um, because those two guys, I, I really think Fields is a mix of those two guys. He's bigger than Lamar and Hurts. He's faster than Hurts. Um, uh, you know, he's got the big arm like Lamar. It, it, you know, he's got kind of the silent leadership like Lamar. It's kind of head down. Guys just love him. Um, and and Hurts is is a but Hurts is a tank. I mean, he's just like goal line stands. They always bring up oh, the squat yeah. numbers. Yeah, so uh, questions answered for Philly. Questions answered for Tennessee. We got our answer. Can you play with the best of the best? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean you're not a good team and you won't make the playoffs. And you may still upset someone in the playoffs, but you are not a Super Bowl caliber team. I don't know what Tennessee needs to take that next jump. They need like one or two dudes on defense, guys that you just kind of fear, like you absolutely fear an Aaron Donald name. You know what I mean? Like they need someone like that, like a, a just a – an extra guy like that on their defense. And then I, and I think it might just be, they need to, they need to, you know, a, a little more explosive at the quarterback position, but I, but it, does that change anything? I don't know. Their division's still really winnable going into next year. And so the Titans, um, the Titans, my questions were answered. Can they hang with the best of the best? No, they can't, uh, but that's okay. They're, they're in a good spot right now. They are in a good spot right now, and um, the, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying about Jalen Hurts. The guy is much more than just a uh, you know, dual-threat quarterback. This guy can flat-out throw the football, and he's going to be an issue for years to come, a steal in the second round. Uh, before we continue, I wanted to, to show this one uh, stat that came out uh, during the broadcast yesterday. 79 of 180 games this year have been decided by six points or fewer. This was through week 12, so not counting yesterday's games. 79 of 180 games decided by six points or, or, or fewer. That is the most in NFL history. Wow. We added five this past week, so that would bring us to 84 of 185. I would imagine that record holds still at that point. Um it's a very close just, just a cra- It's been a very, like, we talk about the blueprint for parity. Like, the NFL is that. And and that's and it still is getting all of the attention that yeah. it could possibly ever want. And that's why, te- like, leagues like the NBA uh, and even to, like, a lesser extent, like the NHL and things like that could, could take note of how they are able to do this. And maybe it's not replicable because the NFL is such a unique sport this way. But... You know, and and of course baseball too. Like they really need that. So it's, it's just amazing what we've seen. We've seen good the, good football. It's the it's the minimal amount of games as well that helps with the parity. Yeah, it really yeah. does. And it's the one a week, and it sets up the urgency it, of things. Yes, it really does. And and yeah. sometimes you can have a worse team come out and play the better game, and it's easier to do that on a Sunday in front of seventy thousand people as opposed for. Um, you know, an NBA team on a random cold Tuesday night in January uh, to, you know, for the, you know, a, a team from the South to go up North and, and, you know, come up and have a big emotional victory. Like, it's just a, it's just different. It is just different. Um, yeah. yeah it, it, it's a great stat because it just goes to show again, it, it's a, it's a cover our butt stat. Like guys, this is hard. It's hard talking to the NFL, yeah, making yeah. predictions and, and it's the league is very, very, very tough right now. It really is. 
And we'll get to one of those close games with the Ravens edging out the Denver Broncos, which I don't know what's more embarrassing. The Ravens just kind of floundering lately, even without, even with or without Lamar Jackson, but the Broncos are more not having to play Lamar Jackson, getting gifted in that regard because Lamar Jackson goes down with a a knee early in this game. Tyler Huntley comes in. Who, who is one of the better backups? I'll give him that in the Especially league. And his he, system. Yes, yes, because he has a lot of mobility. He he is very Lamar Jackson-esque, Lamar Jackson light. But, my goodness, I mean, the Broncos just, like, we've been waiting for them to show us, like, okay, it's finally clicking. Things are getting better. Nothing's getting better in Denver. Things are getting, at at best, they're, they're just staying the same. Otherwise, I, they may be getting worse. I mean, three field goals in this game, no offensive touchdowns yet again, and the Ravens are, are end, end up with a uh, fourth-quarter touchdown that that puts them over the top because the Broncos just cannot find any rhythm uh, offensively. And once again, you've got you know the turmoil on the sidelines. I mean, things are just not not no. uh, going well there. They are not uh, let's ride in in Denver for sure. I'll say it. I, I, I'm. This is all I'm saying about the Broncos for the rest of the year until it happens. They need to fire their coach. They need a breath of fresh air. And then they need to hopefully if someone on the staff is an interim guy who can bring a little life just for, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks to get feel good vibes back in the locker room. And then you go on a big coaching search and a hunt and you do whatever you can and uh, to get Russell Wilson and, and, and a coach that feel like, Hey, we can be simpatico. We can lead this team and you have to build up. You have to start building a, a team in that way. That's, that's all to talk about with the Broncos for the Ravens. I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but I, I think it partially is because the Ravens are just, my expectations have just, they're not the, they're not the the Bills or the Chiefs, you know what I mean? Like, and and even I don't think they're the Bengals. So like, they're becoming a lot like the Titans. Like, I think they're a good team. Um, and I, if the Ravens were in the if the Ravens were in the Super Bowl right now, I'd be shocked. I'd be really shocked. It would Lamar would have had would have to come back, get healthy, and go on a real tear. And um, he's yeah. capable of it. I mean, we've seen it before. He's an MVP. But I also, I would argue that the Ravens just have not done themselves any favors. They have holes on that defense, and they do not have enough weapons on offense for whoever's playing quarterback. They just don't. Andrews is great, but they need go-to receivers and weapons. I mean, like Jalen Hurts has. They they should be looking at the Eagles be like, how the hell do we get a Devontae Smith and an A.J. Brown? A-S-A-P. Like, they got to do it. They haven't done it for years. It's been it's, since Lamar Jackson's been the starter, and it will be their downfall right now because we mentioned it in the AFC. If you don't have top flight weapons, you're done. If you don't have a Diggs, if you don't have a Chase, uh, and or uh, and you don't have a Travis Kelsey, you are not competing with the best teams in the AFC. And then even if you somehow make it through that gauntlet, how are you going to compete offensively? with a Justin Jefferson or an A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Like, uh, you just don't have the horses in in your in your stable offensively. That's the Ravens' biggest problem. It won't get solved this year. So my expectations for the Ravens have changed this year. Mine have a little bit, too. I mean, and I've, I've lost confidence in the past several weeks. I'm just not sure that they can win multiple playoff games. I could see them winning a playoff game. I can't see them winning multiple to getting to the Super Bowl 
uh, and getting to the AFC Championship is heavily in doubt as well. So uh, I know we'll talk about the Super Bowl playing late, but I know where I would put them. The Browns get a win on the road at the Texans in Deshaun Watson's uh, debut for Cleveland and his first action in nearly two years at his former team in the Texans. This was a sloppy game. Uh, This was dominated by Cleveland uh, with their special teams and their defense scoring three times collectively. They had a punt return touchdown. They had a a pick six fumble recovery touchdown. I believe they had three interceptions and two fumble recoveries. It was five turnovers either way. And uh, so that's, that was the story of this game because Deshaun looked really rough, rusty as expected. Uh, Houston and Kyle Allen looked uh, completely uh, just lost over there uh, against a, yeah, the Browns defense is probably middle of the road, uh, but you know, they, they couldn't get anything going at all. Damian Pierce is the only thing that offense has right now. Yeah. Uh, so overall, you know, the Browns uh, found a way to get a win on the heels of some, you know, good defense and special teams play. But I don't think we're expecting much out of the Browns here, even with the Sean Watson leading them down this stretch. Just seems like they'd have to go five and zero essentially the rest of the way here to to have a chance at the playoffs because I don't see nine and eight getting them in, no. and I don't also see them getting to nine and eight at this point because they're not going to win every game with Deshaun Watson this rusty. Gutsy performance by the Texans. I give them credit, especially in the first half coming out and keeping it competitive with all the emotion in that building. Credit to the uh, Houston fans. Shout out to them. And um, listen, for the Browns, you have to talk about Watson like you're almost talking about the young quarterback. Like for Deshaun Watson, these next five, these next five games is all about just trying to get your bearings back so you can go into an offseason feeling good and feeling positive that you can build on it and you can start earning this mega contract that you got. Because again, if I said it two weeks ago, I think it was when we were talking about Russell Wilson, like the Browns are right now are, are loving the Broncos because the Broncos are taking all the heat for like, what the are we going to do? And in lesser sense, the, the Cardinals are in this spot as well. Like, what are we going to do? We just paid a quarterback a ton of money and this quarterback is underperforming and seems to not have any confidence and click with the offense. One game into the Deshaun Watson uh, start with Kevin Stavansky, the Browns, they're in that spot. So the Browns have from now until the end of next year to hopefully get all the juju and the momentum going in the right way because the Broncos are uh, are in fire their coach mode, and it looks like the Cardinals may be too. And, the, the, you know, they're already paying their quarterback a lot of money, and all of a sudden you pay your head coach a lot of money to not coach for your team. It's a, a painful position for an owner to be in. And we know the Browns owner has it is uh, unpredictable to say the least. That's for sure. Yeah. That's to say the least is right. Uh, the Seahawks go on the road at LA and get a 27, 23 win. Uh, Brett mentioned this, you know, the Rams are, you know, basically tanking at this point, but yeah. unfortunately their draft pick is going to the Detroit lions. So no one's happier than Lions country that the Rams have uh, have the record that they have, which is at three and nine. Meanwhile, Seattle uh, staying afloat. I think this was a game where it's like, let's just, we gotta, we gotta stay above water right now because the winds are getting a little bit harder to come by and, uh, you know, they're being tested a little bit more. Kenneth Walker, they're, you know, 
great, great uh, addition uh, at, at rookie running back who's been phenomenal, did go down with an injury. We'll see kind of what happens. Um, and before I toss it to you about this game, I just want to know, because I we didn't really discuss it uh, a whole lot, but the Lamar Jackson injury looks like it's a mild knee sprain, and at most they're looking at like maybe one to two weeks uh, off. So that's good news for the Ravens that it won't be a super long-term absence for him. But I would I would say based on the reporting, yeah. it looks like he probably won't play this next week. But Seattle getting a four-point win, they're at seven and five, so they are still in this mix. And uh, you know, with the way the the 49ers uh, played as well, um, you know, Seattle may have a window here. Seattle absolutely does have a window to win their division still, depending on Brock Purdy. And I do think it's you never root for injuries, but you can't I would imagine the buzz in Seattle this morning in the locker room is guys. We got, you know, there's a little bit of a momentum boost, like, oh, crap, the Niners were coming the last three weeks. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we might we might still have a chance here. Uh, and and listen, they're still in it for a uh, for a wild card run. I, how do I feel about the, the Seahawks? I feel like they are. I feel good. Like they're putting to get they're they're well coached. It seems right now they're 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 playing to the the best of their abilities. They are missing a couple elite players, you know. Like and if they can find that extra offensive lineman to help out, you know, the run game. If they could find that um, maybe kind of elite tight end to help spread the middle of the field, take a little pressure off of the two wide receivers, and then you know defensively an extra pass rusher just to just kind of a game wrecker. This Seattle team is the bones of it are really there. Like they're not far away. And if Gino keeps playing with this, I mean, he had a game winning drive. Good. Congrats to Gino. Do I want to do, do I want to see Seattle in the playoffs? If I'm a division winner? Absolutely not. Do I want to go to Seattle if they win their division? No, I do not. Cause they are, they are literally nothing. They are the definition of nothing to lose. Everything is a gain. Um, and for the Rams, again, only I have to say about the Rams, congratulations, just ride it out, ride it out. It's a long five weeks, just ride it out. And you will be in a position next year. If you're healthy, you can build the right way. They'll be right back in it next year. Yeah. Figure yep. out Matthew Stafford's elbow. If you need surgery, get it done. That's right. You just, you got to rip the bandaid off yeah. and just. You what know, are we doing the, here? The, the numbers, uh, the years are numbered. So yeah, you got get that done sooner rather than later. Uh, we touched on it at the beginning of the show. 49ers win 33-17 to over the Dolphins. Uh, Brock Purdy did what he needed to do late in this game. Uh, Nick Bosa was a game wrecker as well on that end, and Christian McCaffrey really took over in some key moments of this game as well. So 49ers are going to have to be even more of a complete team as we move forward here, uh, and they're going to have to rely uh, a lot on uh, you know the Debos, the Christian McCaffreys of the world, to help pick up some of the slack at the quarterback position. Um, but... Nonetheless, to get a win over the Dolphins, I mean, that, that was encouraging, I would say, for the 49ers having lost Jimmy G. The question marks remain about what, what they'll look like with Brock Purdy going forward. But to get a win over, uh, you know, a surging Miami offense, to be able to, to, keep, to maintain them uh, to just only a couple big plays, I think that speaks volumes to how 49ers are going to be able to win the rest of the way. The defense is going to have to play shutdown defense. If you can hold a Miami offense to 17 points and you could put up 21 with Brock Purdy, you, you can find, find a way to get yourself to where you want to be. 
Uh, but that's probably how they're going to have to win games moving forward for, for the most part. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, Tua was not great in the second half of this game. I mean, you know, he had a couple plays, but overall, Tyreek Hill does so much of the heavy lifting. If you actually watch, you know what I mean? You're looking, oh, a, a touchdown pass Tyreek Hill. Well, watch, watch the play. Um, I don't, I'm not trying to hate on Tua, but I'm just trying to say this was a moment where against an elite defense in a very much a playoff type atmosphere on the road for Miami. Um, this is why you don't necessarily trust Miami in the playoffs. I, I think they are still a very good team. I think they absolutely could upset someone in a playoff run. But as far as going deep and competing with the top of the AFC, uh, I mean, it was a it was a letdown performance, especially because they were facing Purdy for most of the game. He was he played most of the game, and they just didn't feel like they were physically competitive. I said on my Saturday show, it's the finesse version versus the physical version of this offense, and the physical version won, um, and the, and the better defense for uh, for San Francisco. Not counting out Miami yet, but this was a it's a gut punch of a loss if you're a Miami fan. It's a little bit come back down to earth. And as we said for the Niners, you roll with Brock Purdy this week. I don't think you touch Baker Mayfield at all. You give him a chance. You build the confidence up. Say, all right, kid, you're we're all on you. We're rolling. And if it's a disaster, then you make a phone call. You bring him in. If it if he plays well, you roll with the hot hand. Yeah, I think you got to stick with him and and give him that opportunity to start a game and see where, where that takes them. All right, let's move on to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals edging Kansas City by three, 27-24. This was kind of the uh, the boxing match, the heavyweight battle that we kind of anticipated it being between Joe Burrow and uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, this game kind of had it all, but it was a comeback fourth quarter uh, for Joe Burrow and company that got them over the hump. Uh, they were down, I believe it was uh, 24-17, going into the fourth quarter there, then they're able to rattle off 10 unanswered to get the win by three. So big win for the Bengals who, uh, you know, are atop the AFC North and the chiefs who are atop of the AFC West at nine and three, uh, you know, I, I don't think that they're, you know, necessarily worried too much. There's not a whole lot of uh, competition in the AFC West currently for the chiefs. Um, but Overall, I mean, these are the kind of games that you want to be able to gauge kind of where you're at. Um, and Kansas City, you know, just was a, it was a little bit of a letdown, I'd say, for Kansas City, but nothing to, to panic over. They ran into a, a really good Bengals team in their home, and uh, and Joe Burrow's the real deal. So uh, it was kind of you – know, and they were leading going into the fourth quarter too. Yeah. So it's not like they uh, they completely shit the bet on this one. But, you know, Cincinnati able to pull out the win. I, I think that says a lot about where the Bengals are at. There are a lot of question marks first maybe six weeks of the year. Now I'm feeling a lot more confident that the Bengals could, you know, make a repeat run at this thing. This was a, I, I think you're underselling it a little bit. I think this was a season changing win and season changing loss. I interesting. The Chiefs okay. just gave up control to the one number one overall seed um, in a lot of ways. They, they, they just, they, they mean now, because they don't have the tiebreaker over Buffalo. They don't have the tiebreaker right? so over the Buffalo problem. or Cincinnati yeah. right now. So you're going to be going to Buffalo or Cincinnati. If if Cincinnati wins out and you slip up again, Chiefs fans, you're on the road at Cincinnati at Buffalo. I mean, that's a that is a gigantic, gigantic momentum change. Now, 
There's nothing to say. They do Buffalo have Broncos and Texans on tap. That yes, do the Chiefs. No, 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 so listen, the Chiefs, yeah. the Chiefs are, they'll get, they'll be fine. But I'm just saying, when when you're wondering why you're playing that game, maybe in Cincinnati or in Buffalo, you look back to the fact that you you were leading in the fourth quarter in Cincinnati and you lost that game. Just like you were leading in the game against Cincinnati at home and you lost that game. The, the, the thing that's so fascinating about this is that the Chiefs make everyone afraid. The Chiefs, like, you're you playing the Chiefs, and you're like, oh, fuck, like, geez, like, he just, well, look at how can we do, like, he just does things, and Patrick, and then where did Kelsey come from? Like, oh, my God, like, they scare people. They even scare Buffalo. Like, Buffalo has a a slight, like, oh, the Chiefs. Like, you know what I mean? Even though they've beaten him in the yeah, regular yeah. season the last two years, there's a big, bad 13 seconds kind of, like, no, we're not. We're not scared of of Kansas City. We we beat them deep down. Like that's a guy who's who's afraid. The Bengals fear no one, and that's Joe Burrow. Like it's a Joe Burrow effect that is so fascinating. And if you're a Chiefs fan this morning, I have a diehard Chiefs fan in my office who is trying tooth and nail to convince me that he's not worried about Cincinnati. No, you're there. If you're talking that much about how you're not worried about Cincinnati, you're worried about Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's creeping into the minds of Beng of of Chiefs Nation, and that is fascinating. As fans of football, right now, I don't know what three years from now will look like. I don't know what next year will look like. But right now, embrace the fact that we have something really cool going on with three really great young quarterbacks and three really great NFC teams, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs, all of them capable of cannibalizing each other all of them capable of blowing out one another, all of them capable of winning on the road in each other's buildings, and all of them offensively fun to watch, all of them with defenses that are good enough to handle their offenses, and all of them with quarterbacks that are just uh, at any given Sunday, you absolutely can say, that guy can beat me, and it's it's a really, really cool thing we got going on in the NFL right now. In the AFC, especially, I love this game. I thought it changed. It it, it just uh, changes a lot. I think it it really does. It, it it puts urgency for the Bengals to win out. It puts urgency for the Chiefs to win out, and for the Bills, you look at and you go, oh, like now the Bengals like leave us alone. Someone like the Bills just want their time in the sun, but the Bengals aren't giving it to them. Yeah, I I, I think uh, you're, you're probably right, especially with the where it relates to the Bengals. Like, I think it, it means so much more to the Bengals than the loss means to the Chiefs because the schedule down the road, you know, they play the Broncos twice, they get the Texans, uh, they get Seattle, which is a very winnable game. Uh, so the Chiefs could easily win four of their next five and, and be 13-4, and four, and I think that's good enough to get them the probably one the seed, seed, probably the two seed. Um, oh. And so for that to happen, the Bengals still have to win out and go 5-0 and oh down the stretch. And, you know, that's tough. And we've seen the Bengals kind of slip up here and there. But I think that win did say a lot in terms of the confidence of the program, in terms of showing everyone that they belong still on that national stage, that they are the defending AFC champs, and that they could be right back where they started or, or finished, I should say, uh, last year. Uh, the Raiders at home over the Chargers get a win 27-20. So the Chargers just disappointing yet again. Um oh. They're a very confusing team. Yeah, uh, there haven't been too many teams that are like super uh, confusing to figure out this year. 
but the Chargers are one of them where it's like, man, they've got so much talent here. I know they've had the injury bug, and that's been brutal. The defense has been just so bad, uh, and that's been surprising. And the Raiders, again, just this like we like this team that's like, uh, yeah, we'll have like just some big days with Devontae Adams and you know Derek Carr. Everything will be clicking on offense. And maybe we are seeing the turning of the tide there, the, the, the McDaniel system finally coming to fruition there. The Raiders have played better as of late. 3-0 so maybe- since the cry game. Yeah, they are they are on a streak. They're looking good. They're not completely out of the playoff picture, although it's going to be really hard to get in there. Um, but the Chargers being six and six at this point, I, I think if you're a Chargers fan, this is somewhat inexcusable, especially in a season where the AFC West is more up for grabs than it may ever get to be, especially in recent memory and and in the next you know season or two. This was for the taking, uh, at least that number two spot. And now they're kind of playing with fire at this point at five and yeah. 500. Listen, they are, they're, they're a mess a little bit and they are in danger of falling. If they miss the playoffs two years in a row with Staley, I think he's done. And I think chargers fans would be okay with that. Cause I think Sean Payton is looming and lurking on that Fox set in Los Angeles. And he wants to get his hands on that kid. And no um, question. Um, I will say this. On the opposite end for the Raiders, I love seeing that they've kind of turned it around a little bit because the Raiders could have been, they're the team that like, if it didn't work with McDaniels and they were all of a sudden a one or two lot, you know, one or two win team. Like, I I mean, you're then talking about strip everything, fire everything. I mean, I don't know what they were going to do. So um, it it almost feels good that like, okay, the Raiders, we just go back to them being like, all right, next year, there'll be like six or seven wins, whatever. Let's forget about them as opposed to like, I don't want to spend energy worrying about the Raiders. So I'm kind of glad they're just winning. Get out of mind. And all right, things are going well for the Raiders right now. That's great. I'm wondering if I gave the uh, Cowboys too much crap um, throughout this year, not giving them enough credit. They're nine and three right now. They just blew out the Colts 54 to 19 in prime time. But at the same time, I keep trying to tell myself, like, I don't want, I don't want to be fooled by the Cowboy, the classic, cowboy dominant performance which is only to be followed up by a couple disappointing losses and then up and then a playoff run that is short because that's just kind of how the cowboys have been recently so they're 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 a team that i'm 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 hesitant still to buy into a whole lot but nonetheless i mean a 35 point win is a 35 point win and so you know they get dak back they've looked a lot better offensively since he's returned um And the NFC East is one of those divisions that is still uh, crazy to think that, you know, you could get three teams out of there in the playoff picture. It looks like that's going to be the case. They right now would be the five seed, even though they, you know, if they were in a different division would probably be the two or three seed uh, in, in the NFC. But that's where we're at right now with the Cowboys. I mean, what, what are you feeling with Dallas? I don't want to overreact to a beating up of a Colts team that just is, uh, you know, funky to say the least. Matt Ryan is so bad. I mean, he's just so immobile and Rough. so bad. And, um, but I, I'll say this about the Cowboys. I feel, I, I, I feel like they can go offensively toe to toe with a lot of people and Micah Parsons is a legit game wrecker. So they have the they have the 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 pieces to be really really dangerous in a playoff run. But I mean, there were moments last night that Dak like there's just something about Dak. He just 
he frustrates you. Like, I mean, in a way, like Kirk Cousins, it's just, it's hard to explain, but that one interception was just awful. And then there are times where he's just not as mobile as you want him to be. And maybe that's the injuries that kind of piled up on him and the ankle and all this other stuff. But um, right now you feel good. If you're a Cowboys fan, you have got to feel, especially with the Niners quarterback issues and the fact that you beat the Vikings handily in Minnesota, you got to feel really good about like, Hey, we can win a divisional game against our rivals, Philly, right? We can win a game like that in the playoffs and, and uh, offensively, maybe bringing in Odell Beckham jr. To make it even more of a juggernaut, the sweeps to CD lamb, CD land doesn't get talked enough about. He is, he's such a weapon. Like he's, he's fun to watch a uh, big receiver takes hits and fly uh, moving him around. And they don't have controversy with Zeke and Pollard, even though Pollard's the better back, they find balance. And it seems like everyone's hunky dory. That's really great news for the Cowboys, the run game. Yeah, yeah, they they have found uh, some new life there with the Tony Pollard and Z connection that they that they're able to go through. So we have the Saints at the Buccaneers tonight, and uh, I know we've got a Super Bowl playing update. So let's uh, let's dig into that. Yeah, uh, Saints and Bucks really quick. Uh, the Bucks have got to get this. I mean, they got to start instilling confidence. They are. Uh, it's a um, must win for Tampa. I would say they are the that kind of final mysterious being out there in the NFC. To throw a wrench. If the Bucs can, can start scoring more than 22, 24 points a game, get their offense figured out, run the ball efficiently, they all of a sudden become a you-don't-want-to-play-them team. Now, does that mean they are Super Bowl-worthy? I don't know. We'll have to see how this season goes. But it starts tonight in primetime. It's a huge night for Tom Brady. Uh, I predict the Bucs win. Uh, all right, let's jump into it. First class is a new addition. The Bills... The Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Bengals joined them in first class. I think right now it would not shock me at all if the, like I said, the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs, if one of the, if they all cannibalize each other. One of them is going to be standing there up at the end, uh, representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. And the Eagles are the only team right now in the NFC I truly believe in being Super Bowl contenders. Business class or the other two NFC teams, Cowboys and the Vikings. Everyone else in the AFC, there's a separation. I don't put anyone else in the AFC that can like, oh, you can win. In order to be in business class, that means you're in it. You could be in a championship game. Remember, I do not see right now any other AFC team except for the Bills, Chiefs, or Bengals in the championship game. So two spots, three teams, they're going to get it. Um, but someone's got to play the the Eagles. So Cowboys, Vikings. And then economy, again, these are teams that will make the playoffs. Could they win a game? Maybe a second game, a sneaky second game. Maybe it's a, a miracle. Titans, Ravens, Dolphins, Niners. I'm going to leave the Niners in business class, and I'll give Purdy the benefit of the doubt. Hang on to that final spot. I got to watch. I've got a, a lot of film to watch on Brock Purdy next week. Yeah, that's right. That's a, So do a lot of teams as well as we go down the stretch because uh, no tape on Mr. Brock Purdy. So, We'll give Mike McDaniel a, a slight, a, a slight, you know, bone there that he didn't have anything on the guy. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's for another time for sure. Uh, as we wait to see kind of what he's able to do with that San Francisco 49ers offense. All right. Well, that will wrap up a very uh, full show here on our week 13 recap. Uh, thanks again to Brett Edwards for joining us. That was a fun discussion on the Bears and the state of the NFL. So I hope to have him back on again sometime soon but yeah that does it for the week 13 recap we'll be back with week 14 next week on the football lounge with mark and dan